Welcome to the Exit Velocity Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. As always, I'm here with Jordan. How are we doing today? Pretty good, man. It is the GV Classic Draft Day, so I'm super excited, as always. And we've got four of us getting together for the draft today, and it should be a good time. Nice. That should be a party. Uh, we also have Brett from the Locked On Astros Podcast and the Strolls 411 accounts. How are we doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Of course, I would be doing better if I could you know, analyze some more of the Astros rotation to figure out who's going to take that fourth and fifth spot. But other than that, um, you know, I can't complain. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do and where you are located at. Okay. Well, um, by trade, I'm actually a teacher. I teach what's, um, I teach seventh grade Texas history in Texas. We have a state legislated class where um, it's a glorious class about Texas history and not just the Alamo and, um, so I've I've been doing that for about almost 12 years. I've been in the classroom, and about two years ago, I got into um, running a page on Facebook called Stroh's 411, and when I took it over, it was somewhat toxic, and I turned it around, changed the slogan to always positive, always Stroh's, and such right. a time as this for the Astros, where they have a ton of negative media attention. I think our site is is like booming right now. We have almost 32,000 followers now. We've doubled in size since I took it over. And then about a year ago, I, I got into podcasting just kind of as a hobby through a friend. And one of my good friends, Eric Heisman, who was doing Talking Strohs, um, was contacted by Locked On. And he asked me to come on this season as a co-host. And, man, I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of that. You know, regardless of what's going on, we're still airing Monday through Friday on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And so that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy. I've, I mean, baseball has been my passion since I was a kid. Grew up in the Astrodome. You know, I know you guys are based around Minnesota. I remember the Kirby Puckett days. I remember Frank Viola, all those great twins teams that came through. And so – baseball is just my thing you know that's awesome yeah uh that's why it's so hard right now with all the sports getting shut off it's like honestly i don't know what to do so the closest thing to baseball that i got is mlb the show 20 coming out and that's about it (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah exactly it's just one of those things where um i think you know we have to find little little pieces of of what we follow, you know, to keep us going. But at the same time, I mean, heck, maybe it's a good time to reconnect with those closest to us. You know, it's like the, it's like the little saying floating around. It's like, you know, day three into no sports. And I realized there's a strange person on my couch. Oh, look, it's a woman. It's my wife. She seems pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth though. Do you think all this helps the Astros for like long-term and attendance at games and things like that? You know, I, I think, see, I don't, I don't think, I think attendance was going to be up this year anyways, because what, what, what has happened is I think what, while the fan base, I think a majority of us were disappointed in all the news that came out, um, we support our own, like nobody's business. And Mm -hmm. I think it does help the Astros maybe pitching wise with JV being down, um, 
I guess distancing themselves from from the booers and the haters and all that stuff. But I think at the end of the day, those people are going to be negative and do that anyways. Um, and I just I liken it to poking a bear. I just I, I just think that it might hurt the Astros a little bit because I, I think they were ready to go, man. I think they were ramped up and ready to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And yeah. this only delays it. So health hurt. I can't say one way or another. I think attendance was going to be up even, I mean, they extended all the giveaways to all fans and, you know, everybody's like, Oh, they're just trying to fill the seats. I'm like, that's not a bad thing. Like, okay. Um, one of the things that I think is frustrating to us as fans is their continued willingness to just raise prices. And I think that's where the Astros were worried. They knew that they're like, okay, we got this controversy going. We've raised prices again. A lot of people aren't happy. So let's do the giveaways to all fans. And so um, I think mentally it's going to hurt all teams. But I think in the end, they're all going to be in the same boat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think? Do you think this is going to help the Astros going to away parks and things like that? Well, I guess it all depends upon like when the game resumes, right? And then when we have opening day and what that looks like as far as fans even being able to attend games. Um, I'm kind of unsure as to like what that looks like now. I'm curious and really in anticipating when opening day ends up actually getting rescheduled if it does. But I think that with uh, Justin Verlander's injury, I think um, he'll actually probably pitch a full season now, the way it looks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think that too. And I mean, hey, this is uh, this is probably good for the Yankees too. I know we're talking about the Astros right now, but gosh, the Yankees aren't exactly the healthiest team in the major leagues. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel as a fan, a lifelong Astros fan, um, and what you've, what's happened this offseason? Like, how does how does that how does that really been affecting you? Well, this is this is what in I'm gonna I'm gonna try to articulate it. Because I feel like every time I try to tell this to opposing fan bases, like there's like no empathy. It's like it's like whatever y'all cheated, y'all suck. And growing up in Houston, um, we feel like every chance at an opportunity to win a title has slipped away. I mean, we go back to the to the Buffalo Bills um, coming back on the Houston Oilers when we were up thirty five to three at halftime. We lost thirty eight to thirty eight to thirty five. Mm-hmm. We go back to the to the back to back world champion Houston Rockets. I was at the I was at the game. I was at the semifinal clinching game against the Suns. The series we went down 0-2, and the, our own paper put the title "Choke City" on our paper when we went down 0-2. So wow. I was there, and then people said, "Oh, well, y'all only won because Jordan was retired." And then we get to 2017. <laughs> probably the toughest year man i've been through a lot of hurricanes and i've seen this city go through go to hell and back but the devastation of harvey was so heart-wrenching and the astros put the entire city on their back and they were like we're gonna win this for y'all and Mm -hmm. so what a lot of people don't understand is this world series title is very personal and i don't think there's any amount of controversy that in our hearts as houstonians or houston area people that it's ever going to take it away with that being said, it's very disappointing because they are our guys. We have prided ourselves, and we would brag to people, 
we've got a clean team. The first kind of the first cog in the wheel was when they got Osuna. That was like, oh come on, we don't sign guys like this. But everybody eventually supported him because whatever he he was acquitted. We don't know all this stuff that went in, who got paid off, or whatever. But we tried to move on, and then after that, then we won the title. Then after the title, oh, you guys cheated. Then after we cheated, we have the stupid assistant GM yelling crap at female reporters, and that gets blown up. And did the thing, you know, it's just like never ends. It never ends. And you know, like Houston feels like, and and I'm not playing the victim role here because that's not what we're about in Houston. But it's like we're the guy that gets like invited to go hang out with everybody. But when we get to the place, they're like, oh, but you got to pay your way. Oh, you know, um, you're going to take care of the first round of drinks. Like almost like the third wheel. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. It's like um, here's here's my weird – here's my girlfriend's weird friend. Um, we thought y'all would make a good couple kind of thing. You know, it's like we just – we had that taste of a legitimate title and all that has almost been washed away in the minds of others. But at the end of the day, as Houstonians – we stand with each other and we know, and we still feel like the Houston Astros are the world champions of 2017. Um, it is disappointing. Um, it's not about, well, these teams are doing it. Those teams are doing it. We all know there's some form of whatever sign ceiling going on pretty much yeah. league wide. And I mm-hmm. think they've opened kind of a Pandora's box that does not. Okay. The cheating that does not make it. Okay. And, and Houstonians don't think like, oh, well, we get a pass because we went through a hurricane. It's not like, you know, you should feel sorry for us. Yeah. Um, because as a teacher, I tell my kids all the time when they don't like something, I'm like, you've got to build a bridge and get over it. Um, call the, you know, I tell them, call the ambulance, you know, whatever. Um, we have to eat our crow. And the only thing that's going to get us away from this is winning another title. And I think it's going to piss people off more if the Astros do win the next World Series. Yeah, yeah, and I don't see them not win the World Series because I mean they borderline have the same exact team. But one guy that I couldn't believe, when all this came out, I was like, "There's no way he was involved." Jose Altuve, he was one of my favorite guys to watch like the past six years. I always had him on my fantasy, so on and so forth. But for some reason, I was like, I feel like he was the most respected guy in the league. and I still don't think he was involved that much. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, you know. I'll be I'll be real honest. I, I've had interactions with the guy in person. Um, I know a lot of people who know him on a personal level. Um, I know his story forward and backward. I would I believe him at his word. When Miguel Cabrera said that he walked up to Altuve and said, "You didn't cheat, right? You didn't do all this stuff," and he said, "Jose Altuve looked me in the eyes and said, man, I didn't do this.'" He goes, "I take him at his word." I mean, they're like they're they're from the same country. They're they're brothers, you know, in all sense of the word. And I think it was such a big issue where there was like, I, I think it's, it's almost like when you know something's going on, that's wrong. Maybe someone close to you is doing something wrong. It's like, do you really say something or when a family member is doing something that, you know, like, Hey man, this person needs help, but you don't know how to help them. I think there was some of that psychologically going on. Again, it doesn't excuse it. It doesn't make it right. But the whole buzzer thing, anyone I talk to that talks about buzzers, I'm like, dude, just go go away. I'm like, you probably think Mickey Mouse is a real person. I mean, <laughs> that is just 
Twitter, I think, and social media has done more to exacerbate the problem. Can you imagine if we had social media during the steroid era? Can you oh, imagine yeah. what kind of a cluster, you know, what this would have been? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even with like what's going on now with everything getting shut down with this uh, coronavirus, yeah, social media has made it to where it's like this is like the next, like this is almost a borderline apocalypse. Yeah, no, yeah, dude. We we just went to my wife and I just went to our favorite diner. There's this really cool place called Black Bear Diner. It's like a franchise, but man, it's got amazing food. And we went in and we were like, hey, there's no. Uh, there's no packet tray on our table. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're bringing those individually. And they're like, after y'all leave, we wipe everything down. And I was like, this is weird. And my wife's like, well, here's to the last time we're going to eat at Black Bear for a few months. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, it is it is really I'm more afraid of the way people are reacting than the actual sickness itself, you know. But but, you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, we've got to keep things going like this. Um People, people want to talk about sports. People want to talk about these things. And I think the more we can just stay on the positive and just, and just have a discussion and be civil, because I think we need to learn a new way to have discourse in this country, especially with sports. It, it's so vitriolic. And I just called a guy out this morning. Um, some guy tweeted, and I can't remember his name. He's some Red Sox guy. And I just basically called him out. And I don't usually call a lot of people out, but he was like the Astros have tested positive for still being cheaters. And he had a picture of this contagion picture. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're such a jerk. Like you're trivializing a global pandemic and lumping the Astros in with it. I mean, we've got players paying for salaries for Minute Maid Park workers. We've got players donating to the Houston food bank. And this guy's a media guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, you should probably not have a job whenever things get back, ramped back up. I just, at the end of the day, it's like you can be a part of the solution or a part of the problem, and I'm going to choose to be a part of the solution. Yeah, and I know in, like, the fantasy baseball world, Jordan will probably agree as well, is this might slow things down, but it just brings the community even closer together. Just talking about guys, when things are going to get started back up, just talking about your team, what's going on. Like you said, I saw you sent me that McCullers helping people out. A lot of these teams, I think Kevin Love from the Cleveland – uh, Cavaliers started most of this because he right away he dropped a hundred thousand dollars to help the guys at the arena, which is I mean that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and that's huge. And I guess I didn't realize this this till today. Of course, being such a quote unquote baseball expert, I, I felt like an idiot when I realized this. You know, as a teacher, I can choose to get paid during the school year or paid through the summer, like paid in twelve months or just nine nine or ten months. Baseball players aren't going to be getting paid when they're not playing. And I'm like, wait, I didn't realize that. So now I know they're making millions and millions of dollars, a lot of them, but there are a lot of minor league guys. There are a lot of, you know, um, minimum salary guys. And then on top of that, if they're not getting paid, that means the people that work for the organization aren't getting paid. So there's a lot more deeper seated, like, you know, impact than just, oh, these millions of dollar players aren't, you know, getting to wear their free Nikes on the field. I mean, it's, and for them to give money in a time when they're not getting any income, that would be like you and me, you know, if we yeah. were to stop getting paid, but yet we still had some money in the coffers, we're giving it away. I mean, that's that's pretty honorable and admirable of them to be doing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good to see. Uh, so we're going to move on to a little more of like a fantasy player perspective here. Definitely. Uh, Jordan, I want to ask you right away. 
I got my guys who this benefits the most. And I know Brett just mentioned to the Yankees. I think this helps the Yankees out big time. I think John Carlos Stanton and James Paxton's value goes up. Uh, Mike Clevenger as well. And then we mo- probably will figure out what's going to happen with Chris Sale pretty much. I know he got more tests. Uh, who are your guys, Jordan, on who you think this benefits the most? Um, a lot of those guys are probably some of the more popular names in baseball that are experiencing injuries right now and had uh, their draft stock most affected. But a guy that you did not mention was a guy that I already had previously mentioned that is Justin Verlander just because of what um, he had experienced just recently and his draft stock already taking a dip. And I know one of my uh, good buddies uh, just got him yesterday for $31 in a auction draft. Mm-hmm. And that's considerably cheap based on um, how well he performed last year and basically his entire performance in Houston. So um, I'm sure we can elaborate on that a bit more too, but I think that uh, all those guys basically in all of baseball are having time now to really relax and enjoy themselves before the season get, gets underway. And a guy like Paxton, a guy that I typically never target um, mm-hmm. now has that time to, get healthier sooner than later. And for example, like Clevenger, um, there was guys that were basically hands off and avoiding him. He slipped even in the Raz slam draft that I had that's still going on. (laughs) Um, But with his leg injury being what it is, he was even removed as a keeper in our league that we're drafting in today for a guy like Blake Snell, who had a cortisone shot. So a guy like even Blake Snell and Clevenger, like those guys could be, be able to complete a full season with 32 starts now. So um, all those benefit this time and at this time of year based on their workload, not being really anything at this point in time. Yeah. I know, brah, Brett, cause you're with the Astros. You probably know a lot more about Verlander than us, but do you have specific guys that you think uh, this delay in the season will help out. Well, you know, I, well, for one, Jordan Alvarez, um, they mm-hmm. had, they had pretty much – they had said uh, the most recent I had heard for him was they weren't sure if he was going to be ready for opening day. Um, this this knee thing has uh, flared up with him, and when you're a large guy like he is, a, you know, a, a tall frame, a solid frame, um, and, you know, his legs don't look like he's – you know, he didn't have chicken legs. You know, it's like um, mm-hmm. when Tracy McGrady – had all these back issues. I'm like, well, no, duh, because you've got, you've got the legs of a 12 year old supporting, <laughs> supporting the upper body of a guy who lifts weight. So yeah, your yeah. lower trunk's not going to support your upper trunk. And I mean, you're not solid top to bottom, but I think as effortless as his swing looks, he still generates a lot of power and torque on that knee. When you turn, um, I was starting to get worried a little bit. I'm like, dang it. Like, Jordan is the guy that I think the most anticipated guy on this Astros lineup um, for mm-hmm. us because we – I mean, we, we really see him as a potential 50-home run guy. And I really don't see him playing the field much, especially with these knee injuries. I would be shocked if he played more than a couple games in the outfield once we resume play. So I think mm-hmm. it helps Jordan Alvarez tremendously. Um, I think it helps Justin Verlander tremendously then. Although he said that this wasn't as bad as the injury back in 2015, he's still five years older now. So yeah. the recovery ailing, stage too. Being yeah. A little bit delayed, yeah. 
you know, in and it's weird because I was I was looking, I was listening to his comments, and then I went back and watched his pitching, and he it's like he changed his arm angle, he like shortened his shortened his delivery, and that's what's causing the pain and everything that he's going through right now. And I'm like, did a did a coach or did someone say something to him to make him change that or do things like that sometimes, you know, over time as a developing player and an aging player, do you like make those adjustments like subconsciously? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was real, real concerning because man, we were like, okay, we don't have Garrett Cole, but we got Justin Verlander. We got Zach Grinky, you know, McCullers coming back. Mm. Um, you know, I think this benefits McCullers too. Um, mm-hmm. We had, we had actually mentioned on our podcast, it was, it was kind of neat. We mentioned, um, talking about McCullers having an having an innings um reduced limit. yeah innings limit and I put a clip of it on Instagram and Lance McCullers actually responded to the clip oh and well he, and he said hey guys I'm not going to have an innings limit I'm going to go out there and throw as much as I can but at the end of the day we want to help the club all the way through September not just to get to September so mm-hmm. Lance McCullers is a bulldog and also he tweeted out you know a wolf's got to eat and the wolf's hungry. And so I love I, that. Yeah. I think McCullers, I think Alvarez and I think Verlander, it helps them tremendously because going into this season with the mental, I guess diff, the, the mental toughness they were going to have to exude just to get through the first, I think few weeks mm-hmm. on top of that, those three players, if they were injured or limited, it just probably would not be well because you know, the second the Astros lose more than one game in a row, everybody's going to say, Oh, trash cans, this and that. Yeah. But yeah. I think those are the three players in the Astros lineup, Jordan Alvarez, Justin Verlander and Lance McCullers. I think for them, it just, it helps them to get to a better place, more healthy place when we do resume this season. I love to hear that news, especially about Lance McCullers. He been a huge fan of him. Uh, sad that he was out all of last year, but um, that's definitely reassuring to hear. You know, and hey, um, a side note, this offseason, he actually got a tattoo on his arm of the city of Houston skyline with a spaceman, and the spaceman is holding the World Series trophy from 2017. I hmm. mean, this dude is ready to go to war. He said, I'm going to miss the cheers, and I'm going to miss the booze. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so what what do you think the back end of your guys's rotation looks like and your bullpen which I know you got one of the better relievers in there and you got the guy that from the Twins Ryan Presley. Uh what do you think that's all going to look like in the next coming weeks and when they get rolling again? Yeah, I think you're going to see um I think Urquidy kind of started to slip a little bit. Um, he was mm-hmm. having some issues. I think everybody has him penciled in as the number as the number three guy. We're talking about Verlander. So let's say we have a healthy Verlander. You have Verlander, Grinky, McCullers, then Arkiti would be four. And then the fight right now is between basically three pitchers, um, Josh James, um, Austin Pruitt, and I am I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank right now. Josh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not lying. Josh James, 
Austin Pruitt. Oh, and I'm sorry, Framber Valdez. Sorry. I guess okay. mentally, subconsciously, I leave him out because we, we still don't have a lot of trust in him. Like, he's got electric stuff, but he's he's really wild. Yep. But in my mind, Josh James takes that. Mm-hmm. If Verlander's out at the beginning of the season, I think you'll see Urquidy. I think you'll see James, and I think you'll see Pruitt because Pruitt's a big spin rate guy. Yeah. Um, so they've got that. We also, the bullpen, Chris Davinsky came in camp like trimmer than he's ever been. They say he's looking really good. I think he can't do any worse than he did in 19. I think they're going to be fine relief-wise because of those three guys I mentioned, if they don't start, they will be relief pitchers. They will be long relief, and whether it's James, Valdez, or Pruitt, those are excellent relievers. So Davinsky looks healthier. Presley, if he's injury-free and he gets back to healthy, the dude's dominant. He is he is unbelievable. Like, I was – we were so, like – gut-wrenched when he went down with that knee injury because he was on a phenomenal role mm-hmm. you know he's one of those guys that we got we're like wow we didn't realize how good this guy was you know um <laughs> we are missing will harris uh, but i i just think i think brian abreu comes in and slots himself into a bullpen role he's eventually going to be a major league starter but you could put abreu presley and then osuna Osuna's been getting knocked around. Osuna's kind of a wild card. I, I just, I don't know. Um, like, I think he's going to have more success than failure, but he is going to give up the long ball. He had a propensity to do that last year, and I don't know if he was tipping his pitches, but I think our bullpen and our back-end situation is actually pretty good considering that we did lose um, one of the top five pitchers in Major League Baseball in Garrett Cole. <laughs> Yeah, you guys also got uh, Forrest Whitley in the minors. And my other question was going to be, one guy I've been keeping an eye on in fantasy and real life, and he used to be a pretty top prospect with you guys, Miles Straw. I know he can run almost like Billy Hamilton, not quite that fast. What do you think they're going to do with, uh, like, Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, and then uh, your pitching prospects? Yeah, um, so Kyle Tucker is going to be in a battle with, Josh Reddick for starting right field. And my prediction is that he takes over right field within the first quarter of the season, just because Kyle Tucker has a lot to prove. Um, there is a reason why the Astros haven't included him in trade talks or haven't dealt him in any of these trades that they've been a part of. Um, I still, there's a, there's a lot of people in Houston that they don't, they don't like him. They think he's too nonchalant. The bottom line, he's not a firebrand like a, like a Bregman or like a Springer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a battle for right field that's going to happen. I think Miles Straw is going to be on this 26-man roster. He's going to be your utility guy. He's your speed guy off the bench. He can play infield if needed. If you want to give Correa a rest, he can play anywhere in the outfield. And he can hit. I mean, he's been hitting the ball really well in spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest Whitley is is like – it's almost like a wait-and-see kind of approach because – Every time you think he's getting to the point to where he's ready for the major leagues, he has a setback. And a lot of people have been throwing the name Brady Aiken around, Ooh. saying that he's the next. I'm like, dude, don't. That's don't. Good. No, That's I was like, don't put that on him. I don't think he's there yet. He hasn't really been tested. Um, Brent Strom had him go back to an arm swing he was doing in high school. He said he needed to go back to the basics and do what worked for you then because that's what got you here. 
And um, Dusty Baker made the comment, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And he said, this kid's had so many expectations on him that he said, it's been a tough road. Because remember, he came right out of high school. When mm-hmm. I mean, his first year out of high school, but it's like, when is Force Whitley going to make it to the majors? I'm like, the dude was in like high school last year. Like, give him a break. Um, he's still young. He's got a lot of de- developing to do. If Force Whitley comes up, there's no way he comes up before midseason. More than likely, he could be a late season call up. Okay. Nice. What do you think, Jordan, about uh, what's going to happen with those guys? I'm most excited about Josh James at the tail end of that rotation just because of the hype. Um, even going into 2019, I thought there was a lot a chance that he would be able to slide into the rotation. Um, but he was more impactful, I would say, late in 2019. But mm-hmm. I think now is his time to shine. Um, I love his velocity. I really think his arsenal is there. I just don't know. I guess you would know a lot more than I since you have an inside scoop. But I do think that I'm probably most excited about him going into 2020. Yeah, you know, Josh James, um, yeah, he's he's really impressed Dusty Baker. Um, Dusty Baker said, you know, um, everybody thinks it's between Pruitt and Rakiti and James, but, you know, I mean, and Valdez, but he said James is here and he wants that job. My son and I saw him in his major league debut in his third pitch, I think was like 101 or 102 <laughs> miles an hour. And we were like, I love what? It. It was, <laughs> and you, dude, it was like um, we were sitting in the in the outfield mezzanine seats. And I looked at my son and I'm like, did you feel the wind from that fastball? You know, <laughs> but, you know, I really like Josh James. He came in. I mean, he just looks sharp. Um, he's got a good mind for the game. Um, Brent Strom has been impressed with this work and he does have the potential because he's such a flamethrower to. He, I mean, he has that deceptive speed. Like, you know it's coming fast, but then it's like in the glove, and you're like, what just happened? So mm-hmm. I think the sky's the limit for Josh James, to be honest. Yeah, as far as, like, the excitement level, I think that he's probably the most intriguing as far as upside, too. So that's kind of my guy that I would be most excited about. So Now, one other guy who's a, who would be a sleeper, who would be if you have any any, like, slots to fill, like guys that you could, like, have in reserve, is watch for Christian Javier. Christian Javier was reassigned to minor league camp before everything went down. Mm-hmm. But, but Christian Javier was impressing. Like I thought for a second he was going to be considered for a, a rotation spot. They apparently think he needs more time. He's a guy that could come up, maybe get some spot starts. He's a guy that could get a late season call up because he actually, um, um, I mean, he's he, he's got potential too to be a starter as well. Okay. I'm looking him up right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's Christian. It's C R I S T I A N yep. Javier. Very very good because he was topping out at 94, 95, where they said he was only between ninety one and ninety three. So his velocity was up. Um, his strikeouts were crazy this spring. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Ah, uh, so I was wondering with all this delay and all that, if they reach one hundred sixty two games, and what teams do you think in the MLB will have the stamina to play 162 and probably tight four doors? And I honestly think just not being a homer or anything, but I think our twins are somewhat built to handle like 162 games that might not even play into October. But who, what other teams do you guys think starting off with Brett that you think could handle this 162 games stretch with maybe no off days and some double headers? 
Well, I think it's probably more or less your clubs that are in the central part of the United States, um, just because of the time difference isn't so wide from, um, you know, Boston to mm-hmm. L.A. or, you know, L.A. out to New York. Um, I think that I think the Astros are there. Um, I think I think the Rangers are there. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. don't don't, you know, talk about the Rangers, um, the White Sox, everybody didn't realize I mean, the White Sox are a really young team. Um, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of prospects and they're actually, you guys may not like this, but they're kind of my preseason surprise pick to win a division. Now, mm. a lot of people may argue with me on that. I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe I'm like being too premature on my expectations of what they have, but, I don't know. It's like you got this young team. You bring in some key veterans. You've got mm-hmm. some really good pitching. Does their fielding and defense hold up is the big question for them. They'll hit the ball, but will they be able to back up their pitchers? Um, I believe Minnesota would be would be ready for one of those runs. Milwaukee with a with a healthy Christian Yelich. Um, why not? You know, I mean, I mean, who knows? I just I think at the end of the day, a lot of people think they're going to play all one sixty two if. I'm hearing rumors that they won't start till possibly May. Um, and if that happens, I don't see there's any way you you do 162 games because then you go into the next season and you affect the you know seasons going forward from here until the end of time. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, who do you, what teams do you think? Honestly, I think everyone now has that time frame to where there's that relaxed period as far as preparation. Um, I don't think anybody's really at a disadvantage, right? I mm-hmm. think more or less everyone has that time to collect themselves and kind of just prepare. Um, I mean, I can't really – as far as, like, all the teams in general, um, what your point on the central teams in the in – the, like, as far as, like, the time zones, I feel like that's actually a very key factor is because the whole Boston to L.A. time would be not ideal to anybody, right? But honestly, with it all – depends upon when the season does in fact start because 162 in May does not, I don't, that's not even possible. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I like your uh, take on the white Sox. They, I mean, add in, I think Edwin and Carcion and Dallas Keuchel who have been elite players at certain points in their career are going to help the young guys like Luis Robert and Dylan Cease in the rotation. But yeah, they got probably the best mix of young and old young and veterans in the league. Now, you know, and, and I don't say that in any way to discount the Twins because I think the Twins are going to be right there in the mix. Um, um, I heard y'all's uh, podcast and y'all are talking about, um, you know, y'all's possible Cy Young candidate in Berrios. I, you know, I, I'm super impressed with that guy. And, I mean, the Twins have a really good team. Um, I just, I just, you know, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool. Hey, let's do a Twins – Astros ALCS. Are you guys down with that? Yeah, I would not be opposed. <laughs> and I would say, as far as this whole the season starting later, the one guy that it benefits most on the Twins team is my boy Byron Buxton. Yes, he's banged up right now, as he's been most of his career, but he needs all the time necessary to get ready for the season. So, yeah. So the as far teams- as an impact impact player, as I've said before, but I feel like as far as an impact batting ninth in that lineup. He provides the most impact when healthy. So, there's not a bigger Bucks than fan out there. <laughs> I mean, you name your dog after him. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. 
Uh, so the teams in your guys' division, I mean, we, me and Jordan, Jordan's love the A's for since Moneyball. I've grown to love the A's. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman are two of my favorites. But between the A's and the Angels, and you also said the Texas Rangers, who do you think is going to be the biggest threat to the Astros in 2020? Well, I think you always, right now, you have to put the A's um, as, as contender number one. Just because they always find a way. Now, when you look yep. at their when you look at their pitching staff, it's not really a whole lot to write home about. But they are just one of those teams. I mean, they are like Tampa Bay and Oakland are the same teams on opposite Different ends coast. of the spectrum. Yeah, like like you could have the West Coast Rays and the in the in the in the East Coast Rays. That's kind of the A's find a way. They they play good ball i think bob melvin i think he's a great manager um i think whatever it is they do in oakland they're always going to be there in the mix the angels i want to say that they're going to be competitive i want them to be competitive because they've got such a massive payroll they got a new head coach i think that's going to change a lot of things for them and i mean how many years can we watch mike trout's career just be thrown to the wind yeah. on a team that seems to not have any relevance when they should have relevance. I mean, they're the, they're the, I still call them the Anaheim angels. I don't do the Los Angeles, I, whatever, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think the angels and the A's are your, are your one and one a contenders. I think the Rangers are going to find themselves at some point during the season in the mix because their pitching staff has, has improved a lot. Um, I think having just having Joey Gallo in the lineup, Elvis Andrews, um, Shinsu Chu, guys like that, um, you know, they're not a they're not a terrible ball club. I think they overachieved actually last year, um, and they surprise a lot of people. They have a pretty powerful offense. If mm-hmm. their pitchers can get in line with their hitters, then they can be a contender. But I still don't see them any higher than third in the division. And then the poor Manor, Mariners are just kind of like yesterday's news. I I don't even see them having a surprise start like they did last year. They're just they're just the Baltimore kind of Orioles. <laughs> yes, they are the Baltimore Orioles of the West. Yeah, and you hate to see that because with the Mariners' history and Junior and Edgar Martinez and you know Tino Martinez, all those guys, you know, um, they were some fun teams to watch. I know when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not seeing uh, King Felix on the Mariners this season is going to be weird, but they're pretty much rolling out like a college baseball team as young as they are. I mean, half their starting half their starting lineup is going to be uh, rookies and guys that are going to be getting called up, moved down, their pitching rotation. Marco Gonzalez is pretty much the only veteran there. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, but, you know, then again, I mean – who who better to go on a run than a bunch of young guys who who are who are too young to realize that they're not supposed to be competitive? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You never know. I mean, it is a long season, um, and you don't ever want to count anybody out because it is pro sports. But I just I just think the Mariners are really just bringing up the tail end until they can do some rebuilding and and get some more veterans in there, get a get a more decent payroll, things like that. Yeah, and what be- what better way to get called up and uh, play in the majors with little to no pressure added on to you too? Oh yeah, there's no ex- there's no expectations for those guys to even shine. So I mean, that would be the way to be called up and play. Exactly. Yeah, they're probably happy though that they're not going to have to face Garrett Cole ten times every season. 
<laughs> well, I'm just I'm just glad he didn't go to the Angels. I would have been I would have uh-huh. been really really upset. So, a real a real quick funny story. So he signed autographs at a local autograph shop called Fitterman Sports. That's in a mall like five minutes from us. And my son and I went and got his autograph. I got this really nice picture of him in an Astros uniform that I'll forever cherish. He signed it real big. And I told him, I said, Garrett, um, this was way before contract negotiations. This was like in the middle of the season. I said, if you would like, I will start a GoFundMe page to, to give you a signing bonus from the fans because we absolutely love you. We want you to stay in Houston. And he laughed. And he just, he thought that was awesome. He was like, well, <laughs> I really appreciate that. I'll, he goes, I'll think about it. And I was like, oh my God, he'll think about it. Like, I just, <laughs> I was like a, I was like a, I was like a, I was like a 12 year old at a BTS concert. I was like, oh my God, like he, you know, like I'll never watch this shirt again kind of thing. It so was you're fun. saying there's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, yeah. Do you guys got anything else uh, today for us about what's going on in the league, when it's going to start, anything like that? Uh, not exactly. I do appreciate all the Houston knowledge, though, because oh, now yeah. I have a definite different perspective on, uh, especially 2017 with Harvey and all like all the things that uh, Houston Houstonians had to overcome. So yeah, you know, time today. Yeah, you know, and that's. And that's the thing. And, you know, just if I could put like a put a little bow tie on it again, I'm not saying any of those things to, oh, the bleeding heart feels sorry for us, what we went through. That's that's not ever our motive. But the when you take the whole history of this sports in this town, and I, I didn't even get into Oilers like Oilers stuff before the Buffalo Bills thing. It, it's just been one thing after another. And so at the end of the day, we pride ourselves on working hard and doing things honestly. Um, I see, I've heard that um, Chandler Rome actually reported that some of the players are staying in West Palm Beach and mm-hmm. some of them are coming to Houston to work at Minime Park. So I think they're kind of splitting the squad up, maybe less than the amount of guys that are around each other. Um, but they're still doing workouts. He doesn't know who stayed and who came to Houston, but he did say that that was the case. Um, I think I'm hoping we get the season started before May, but I would not be surprised if we didn't start till mid or late May. At the end of the day, it's about safety. It's about being positive. It's about doing the right thing and realizing there are people around you that you can depend on that you can be dependable and sports are sports and life is life. And uh, we only get one life and we can recreate sports any day. So if we stay positive and stick together, I think we get through this um, better than anybody. That's a great way to end it. Thank you. Yes, I agree with that. This is going to be great for our listeners to get a perspective on the Astros thing because we don't have, I mean, honestly, I don't think we have really too many, Astros listeners that I know of we have a lot of Midwest guys Florida guys but this is perfect you explained everything great and thank you yeah my pleasure and just make sure you guys check out locked on Astros we're actually doing our AOS division previews this week and then after that we're going to be doing some greatest moments in Astros history and maybe have some guests on things like that yeah so how can everybody follow you on uh, Twitter and that Facebook page Yes. Yeah, so if you go to at H Town Wheelhouse, um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I go by by, by H Town Wheelhouse online. 
on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can look for uh, for Stroh's four one one. Always positive, always Stroh's, and you know when the season kicks up, we're going to be going to Round Rock and possibly Corpus. We've gotten some access to interview some of the minor leaguers. Um, this year, they're going to grant us access to their players and do a stadium tour. So my Facebook page will be doing that stuff. So H10 Wheelhouse on Twitter, Stroh's 411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Nice. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, you can also follow us everywhere at Exit Velocity Podcast. In our next episode, we're going to have Riley Taradion, third baseman from the University of Dayton. So that should be pretty fun. And thanks again, Brett. Have a wonderful day. Hey, thank you, you guys, too. And um, hit me up again if y'all want to talk, talk more baseball. Sounds great.